0: Hello, everyone. This is Vincent John, the creator of Little Town of Rainbow. I just want to say thank you for listening. But before we get into our next episode, I wanted to highlight a podcast that's really near and dear to my heart. The Outside Tapes. The Outside Tapes is produced by a team in the land of ire, which I guess some people call Ireland. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Might be a Nordic town. But The Outside Tapes really is an excellent, spooky audio drama that you could really sink your teeth into. It's a narrative horror podcast following the investigations of journalist Alfie Graves into a series of unusual events. I'll tell you the truth. By the first episode, within the first five minutes, you'll be invested. You'll be hooked on the show. It really is that good. New episodes are released every second Sunday. And honestly, I can't recommend the show enough. You'll really enjoy it. So please take a listen to the outside tapes. And in fact, here is a trailer before we begin our episode. Thanks and bye.
1: Before adding anything else at all, I would like to make it clear to whoever I end up sending these things to that I am not a sensationalist or a gullible fool. I do not believe in ghosts, nor do I think demonic possessions are real. I believe all of this to be some kind of extravagant prank, perhaps, or God knows a cult. But there is something here, and I know that. Begin reading. That clip was from The Outside Tapes, an independent Irish audio drama by Evan Daly and Liam Brett, we release every second Sunday on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Outsidetapes Podcast for more information and updates. Thanks. and enjoy this podcast.
2: The Little Town of Rainbow: Written by Vincent John and performed by Luke Welland, Natalie Lewis, and Cornelius Perry Jr.
1: Ramsay's silver hairs had rapidly departed from his head within the last year, and the generous scar above his right cheekbone, which he received in adolescence, appeared almost invisible now if not trained to look for it. Nevertheless, though he was considered old and a man of slender build, when speaking, his presence had the subtle ability of appearing to swell. Something in the way he carried himself appeared greater and broader than the person across
2: from him. Which is why his daughter Rosalind went through tremendous efforts in keeping interactions with her father at a minimum. But tonight, Ramsay would no longer tolerate that frequent disappearing act in which his daughter was so keen, not while a trespasser breathed air in their house.
1: Ascending the stairs leading to Rosalind's room, Ramsay smelt the usual stale odor of too much tobacco, opium, and melancholia. Oh, she already begun, he muttered to himself. To live with one's own child for an extended duration often results in either parent or offspring resenting one another. For Ramsay and Rosalind, they were far past an expiration date. Without notice, he bars the door open. Why do you care if this man dies, child? he demanded. You know my obligation is to preserve this town and its people. That includes you. Are you too much of a fool to understand this? Rosalind did not flinch. But continued to stare into her vanity mirror while removing her makeup.
2: I assumed that is why we have a sheriff.
1: A sheriff is here today and gone tomorrow. The assembly gave me this gift of seeing the town protected at all cost. And I will not contradict their wishes for me. We will conclude that this man is a danger and have him expired at first sunlight.
2: You know for a fact, Henrik did not kill Jimmy.
1: Henrik. Ramsay sighed as he sat on the French Provincial chair he gave Rosalind as a gift on her eighth birthday. For further effect, he placed his head into his hands. Oh, foolish, foolish girl. But somebody did kill Jimmy Wilson. Jimmy was 300 yards down the mine and not an easy target. Now a stranger wanders into our borders? You know of the dangers. We are all tied together on a loose string. A string pleading to be pulled apart. Father,
2: I do not believe a coward like the man tied to our chair is strong enough to pull apart feathers, let alone strings. Rosalind
1: said with a modest grin. Beasts come in all shapes and forms. Maybe it is not actual dark spirits and evil creatures that roam our lands, murdering our people. Maybe it's human men, like the one tied to our chair. I think it was foolish leaving him here. He is a scout, collecting information to pass on to someone else, someone who is worse and wishes us harm. Do you see my meaning now, child?
2: I understand, Father. I pity him nonetheless. We never killed a man on Christmas. And I still find it odd the circumstances of his delivery here. Did you not say they discovered him face down on the verge of death?
1: Ramsay stood up, revealing the menacing stature he kept for occasions such as this. Yes. Yes, I did, oh dear child. But are you naive enough to believe scouts cannot get lost and turned around in these parts? I will not be made a fool in the eyes of my people, Ramsay said, feeling a sliver of satisfaction that the conversation was at an end. However, Rosalind would not let the debate finish there. Standing to meet her father's view and counter his presence with her own, she stood in the doorway blocking his exit. For in this battle of words, life and death, Rosalind was indeed Ramsay's opponent of the night. After years that spiraled into decades searching for the weakness in her father's armor, Rosalind at last discovered it.
2: Then consider, Father, the reaction our noble town will give you for not only turning away a wanderer in the desert, but killing him without cause. Are we not Rainbow, the town of sins forgiven, our past transgressions washed away? Why are we in assembly if we do not obey what the founders set out forth for us? I'd imagine townsfolk might identify it problematic. You have grown such a taste for killing." Might not it produce fear in the people's spirits, they could be next. Without cause. Without justification. Rainbow means mercy, after all, Father.
1: Just a glimmer of vulnerability was all that Ramsay had shown. And within a moment, the crack in the armor had become whole again. And the cold, hard steel that was his face grinned back at his child for a worthy adversary his only offspring turned out to be. "'Oh, it's much more simple than that, girl. "'I'll just have my men say he killed that fool, Jim, "'and they will do the deed themselves.'"
2: "'I see,' said Rosalind, matching her father's polite smile. "'Then I'd tell the assembly in the town you lied.'" The only way to stop me from doing so would be to kill me, I presume. The words sunk in, though Ramsay would not allow his emotions to be shown twice and instead let out a healthy laugh, saying,
1: I will not kill you, daughter of mine. It would bring you too much satisfaction. He pushed past Rosalind and left the room.
2: She heard the door slam leading to his quarters, and exhaled with fits of laughter. <laughs> How simple it was to frighten him! All it took were a few words in eye contact, <laughs> she said twirling around the room like a child. She poured herself a good amount of peyote tea before taking a couple of swigs of laudanum, which gave the effect she wanted. A lightness of foot, a weightless feeling of drifting away. A little dizzy, and slightly drunk, she fell upon her bed with a smash. Nevertheless, she knew herself, and what would arise next, and began fidgeting in hopes of delaying the familiar sense of dread that came after a moment of bliss. Lupine was a decent substitute for life not worth living, but even at its height, which was serenity at its peak after you climbed the top, however, there was nowhere to go but down. And at that... It was a wicked device, for the more you partook, the less its effects of beatitude fully entered the soul. For minutes, she fought to find a satisfactory place to rest. Her pillow felt a little meaner than usual, as if the inanimate object had a will of its own and slight against her. She found none, but found instead her hopefulness lost a bit of its bluster. This was her father, after all. A shrewd old bastard not prone to losing. Tonight is not the night to dwell on the past, she struggled to remind herself. But like a storm in the desert, Rosalind's thoughts churned with an uncontrolled vitality. Hour upon hour was spent forcing her body to calm and lungs to breathe. Utterly spoiling her small moment of joy
1: Ramsey could not sleep, and wouldn't until the new year. Many events had cultivated these past 24 hours, and it reasoned inconceivable for it all to be a coincidence. He knew in his heart that it wasn't. Ramsey put on his heavy coat and left the manor, needing to allow his mind to wander and find conclusions that the house made impossible to find not because of the peculiar man tied to a chair, but his daughter's growing intelligence. She was a woman now, and Ramsay knew she was sharper than he, which did not upset him as much as it scared him. Her presence in the home grew too large these past two years. He needed air and the quietness of a snowfall to set him true. His daughter was against him, which was bound to happen at one point, but she was still his sole offspring, and everything he had accomplished shall ultimately be hers. Though why was she desperate not to have that man Henrik killed, when she had seen her father kill countless men before? It left only two possibilities, he pondered, both of which were not desirable on any account. Ramsey pushed the worries out of his head. Now was not the time to be studying his daughter. Ultimately, she had to be dealt with, and preferably soon. But the most pressing manner was the fact that for the first time in eight years, Rainbow had a new person seeing its grounds and knowing its whereabouts. It is the things we seldom worry about that end up doing the most destruction. And this man, Henrik could only bring the one thing destined for him, an end. Ramsay wandered through town as first sunlight made its way like a spear across the night sky. It was a magnificent sight, and for a moment Ramsay gathered all his attention to the spear in the sky. He regarded the majestic shape and read its formation, as one would observe the reading of tea leaves. He was hoping that it was a divine answer, but the fragile few minutes of swirling imaginary that Ramsay had concocted was lost, for he saw a boy staring back at him. His name was Michael, and he was about seventeen. Ramsay knew the boy's parents, for they worshipped together at the same altar. He did not know much of the child besides not liking him very much. As Michael stood there gaping at Ramsay in a constant gaze of apathetic despondency, it dawned on the town's mayor that even though it was his duty to protect his people, it was more significant to preserve them from themselves. And in this state, they were much too ignorant to carry on in a meaningful manner without heaping destruction upon their heads. For this town's promise to succeed there had to be modifications. Hollowed skulls and dim-witted minds were no good anymore. Ramsay needed a thick, firm stock with just enough wits to be of service. What good are people and town without growth? Ramsay walked over to Michael and with a flash, as quick as lightning and a sound equally thunderous, Ramsay struck the boy with an open fist. Michael immediately fell to the ground as blood oozed from his ear. Ramsey pulled out a small knife from his waistcoat and pointed it directly to Michael's throat. Go home, Michael, and never look at an elder again, you ignorant son of a bitch. As would anyone with half a mind, Michael raced up to his feet and fled from the sight. This could be a test of sorts, Ramsey mused, as his mind floated back to the idea of producing something greater from his people than previously expected. They will make this man, this stranger, a home here. We will be his friends, his family, his cohorts and confidants. We shall make him anew he shall live on our land and bask in its general splendor. And then, when the moment is consummately pure and splendid, we shall kill him and burn his remains as a gift to the altar," Ramsay said aloud, without fear of who might hear his nonsensical ramblings of early day. Upon entering his home, Ramsey at once heard the ongoing sounds of Henrik crying. It was always the weak that were bound to do the strong personal bidding. A rush of relief came straight to Ramsey's core, and he felt grateful for this man appearing at the town's gate. It was a blessing. Too long did Ramsey and Rainbow's people live without living, stuck in its borders awaiting orders. If Ramsey were correct, this could be an opportunity for freedom. For fear is the greatest adversary of a fulfilled life.
2: The underground lake fervently glistened with its usual green hues, casting thousands of shimmering diamonds across the cave. Looking down into the glowing lagoon, Rosalind smiled at her reflection. It had been years since she visited the undisclosed basin beneath City Hall, and for the first time she could remember, she saw her own image in the waters. As a child, she would often frequent the place, for it softened the swirling cries and voices in her mind. But oftener in such matters, its reprieve was brief, and as time went on, Rosalind found it more of a burden to visit the place just for a few moments of clemency now she found herself here again. Though she didn't understand why, nor made any attempt to do so. Before her mind could comprehend cold liquids against her feet and legs and then hips, Rosalind peered down, seeing she was already halfway submerged. Breathing didn't feel so burdensome, and with ease she could fill her chest with life-giving oxygen. Now or never, she murmured, and then immediately immersed her entire body into the pool. Looking up through the water, Rosalind saw a million different stars glowing upon the cave walls. She imagined the flickering lights of water dancing upon rock, turning into two cosmic beings two females of different ages, and one a mere child. The two beings danced and swayed and twirled until Rosalind ran out of oxygen and re emerged from the waters. It's okay all things must it's okay it's okay it's all okay
1: This has been The Little Town of Rainbow. New episodes are released weekly and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like The Little Town of Rainbow, please share with your friends. It helps independent creators to reach an audience and continue to tell stories for free. Thank you.